Hello, misfits. This is Kate. And this is Kevin. Welcome to Horrorwood. Thanks for having me back. Hey, thanks for being back. It's always last minute because I'm like the day before I'm like, can you record tomorrow for an episode that t- that <laughs> posts like immediately after? Mm. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, totally fine. I mean, I just live down the street, so I'm, you know, I'm there. Which I love. You know what? So I actually I asked a friend of mine, Aaron, shout out to Aaron. Uh, to to be on this one because I've asked her a while ago to do one. She hasn't done one yet and she really wants to. And she was like, yeah, I totally can if I don't have a stomach bug. My stomach's feeling a little woogie. And oh I was like, gosh. girl, don't even come at me with that stomach bug. <laughs> Stay the fuck away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron, I love you, but... After everything you just went through, you're like, get away from me. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, but she'll be on at some point. Oh, good. Anything you want to talk about or discuss before we get into this horrific case? Oh, gosh. I don't think so. Um, not much has been happening over the weekend. I had a work event yesterday, um, mm. and it was at a bar, and everybody just got completely trashed and wasted. A work event at a bar? That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like a, an awards event for... For the organization I work for and it was just supposed to be fun but of course I was yeah. there like all business like having to check people in oh and everybody just got trashed so I was like I think I'm I'm good here so I left that is the bummer when like you're the one sober person the fun story that's about it you know what hang on just a second I'm gonna pause just had a little little mic issue to deal with folks but I think we're I think we're in I think we're good so let's let's get into this dive in. This is a really tough case on a number of levels. One, just the sheer brutality of the murder. And two, it took a long time, years, in fact, before this case ever went to court. It was a long time before police even made an arrest because they had very little evidence to go on. The murder took place outside in an open area that was surrounded by a building with tons of windows Mm. yet there were no eyewitnesses suspicious well not suspicious but just fucking inconvenient Mm -hmm. there were also several security cameras around but those cameras pan every minute or so and the camera facing exactly where the murder occurred just happened to pan away right when the murder happened no There was also no DNA evidence from the suspect left at the crime scene. So this was a tough case. I will tell you, we do get some resolution at the end. So there is a little light at the end of all this. Oh, good. Is it like completely solved? Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. It's solved. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like finally a solved one. I feel like we do a lot of, it's like, I don't know what happened. But this one, it is solved. And when I was researching this, I watched a great documentary about it on the series Twisted Killers. Have you watched that on Crime Beat? I have not. It's really interesting. It had interviews with friends and family members and investigators. So I got a lot of info from that. And I'll link that if I can. Uh, I think it's I think it's only found on like Facebook right now or something. But anyway, I'll try to link that. At the center of this horrific tragedy is a young woman named Maple Battaglia. I love that name, Maple Battaglia. Such a gorgeous name. Maple Battaglia was born on March 4th, 1992, near Mumbai, India, to her father, Harkarat, and her mother, Sarbjit Battaglia. They named her Maple because her father had visited the U.S. one fall when all the maple trees were turning colors, and he thought that was so beautiful. And in India... Maple trees only exist in Kashmir. You won't find them anywhere else in India. So they're kind of this 
rare, beautiful thing there. And the Battaglias viewed their youngest daughter as the jewel of the family, sort of rare and beautiful, like the maple tree. That's really sweet. I just thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. When Maple was just a few months old, the Battaglias moved to Canada. Canada is a country known for maple trees. That's not why they moved there. But okay, I was going to say that's Maple Central. <laughs> yeah, then it's like, okay, guys, we're going too far. <laughs> no, that's not why they moved there. Uh, but her parents said her name became like a connection between their new home and their old home. So I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. She was the youngest of three. She had an older sister and older brother. So she was the baby of the family. And as it often happens with the youngest, she was the center of attention. The other two kids were significantly older, I believe. So when they refer to Maple as the jewel, it wasn't like they thought less of the other two kids. It's just they were a little older. And then here comes this baby, you know, so she was a real bright spot for them. Even when she was really little, Maple stood out. For one thing, she was an adorable kid. She was also really funny. Her family said she always could always make them laugh. And her cousin said she had a very distinct laugh and she would always snort at the end of it. So you know that was contagious. Like if Maple was laughing, everyone was laughing. Oh my gosh. There was this thing I saw recently. Um, I think it took place, it was on a TV show in France and they got a bunch Mm -hmm. of people together that had really distinct laughs. And like one person started laughing crazily and then it started this like chain reaction of people with like these really insane laughs. (laughs) It's so funny. <laughs> That's I'll amazing. Have to send it to you. It's just ridiculous. Like okay. all these crazy sounds. Oh, I would love to hear that. From an early age, Maples and Friends, Maples and Friends. That's not the sentence. <laughs> Maples and Friends. Maples' family and friends felt she was destined for big things. She was really smart and talented. She was a great artist. I found a few of her paintings on Facebook that I assume her family had posted. She was really good. She had dreams of being a doctor, but also wanted to be an actor in Hollywood. She told her family, if I make it in Hollywood, then the doctor thing is going to have to be pushed to the side for a bit. I'm going to go for Hollywood. A hundred (laughs) percent. She also wanted to be a model. She had a lot of dreams. This girl was like, I'm doing everything. She was always taking photos of herself in the mirror, practicing for those photo shoots, you know? Yeah. And her sister, Rosaline, would sometimes jump into the background and photobomb her. That's <laughs> such a sister thing to do. <laughs> Did your sister ever do that to you? Um. Well, we didn't have selfies back then. Oh, God. Oh, whoops. I screamed into the mic. <laughs> because I'm old, Kevin. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, like with, <laughs> with one of those like old-timey flashbulb cameras. Like old holding, time. <laughs> you know, like the ones where they had to hold the flashlight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, you know, like Polaroids. <laughs> I miss Polaroids. I used to have a Spice Girls Polaroid camera. Polaroid cameras still exist. Mm. They're just like crazy expensive. Of course they are. Because now they're like vintage, vintage I guess. relics of the past. Mm. By all accounts, Maple and her family had a great relationship. They were very close. Maple would put on skits with her friends at her house. She just loved performing. She liked the spotlight, but not in a it's all about me kind of way. Like she wasn't conceited. Oh, good. Yeah. She just had a charisma and an energy about her that attracted a lot of attention. And one person that noticed her was Gurjinder Dhaliwal. He went by Gary. So I'm going to refer to him as Gary from this point on. Frankie just broke into this room. I heard. (laughs) She's like. Climbing up my my god. She's like, you will not keep me out. I want to talk about this too. Frankie, you gotta be good. You can stay in, but you gotta be good. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, So Gary and Maple had mutual friends. And one day when Maple was 14 years old, she attended a basketball game with friends, which is where she met Gary. Maple and Gary became friends, and after a while, that friendship turned into more. They really liked each other. So Maple goes to her family and says, so there's this guy. I really like him. And Maple's family was like, cool, cool, cool. We want to get to know him. So Maple's family and Gary's family started getting to know each other. They'd have dinners together. The two moms ended up becoming 
best friends. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I I wonder if it's a cultural thing because you just don't hear about that very often where the families of teenagers who begin dating start hanging out together. Yeah. I always feel like it's, you know, in our culture, more fighting than being friends. I don't think my mom ever met my high school boyfriend's family. And he and I were together for a while. My mom loved him. But I don't think she ever met his mom. And they definitely didn't have dinners together. So I don't know. Interesting. I remember my mom. I never had any like flings. In, well, I had a girlfriend in the eighth grade. <laughs> I love that you had a girlfriend. Oh, God. No, I, well, I was going to say like my mom was always like trying to push me to be on, like push me out of my comfort zone. So she was like, uh. when I was in like high school, she was like, are you like there was one other gay guy in the high school and I wasn't out yet. And she's like, are you mm. like, you know sleeping with so-and-so and I was like what are you talking <gasps> oh about oh my goodness no and she's like well you should because you need to figure out what you like and I was mortified oh. what? <laughs> mortified oh my that's intense I know my mom was the opposite she was like don't ever sleep with anyone ever never have sex no, <laughs> <laughs> no. anyway but anyway Maple and Gary were both 14 years old when they started dating And it was that sort of high school puppy love. I think it was the first real relationship Maple had experienced and possibly Mm. Gary too, but I'm not sure about that. And he would do cute little things to let her know he was thinking about her, like he'd leave flowers at her door, things like that. And Maple seemed really happy. Meanwhile, she's also pursuing her dreams. All of that posing in front of the mirror paid off because she landed herself a modeling agent and started getting modeling work. Yeah, she did. Good for Maple. Maple's cousin, Baldish Tiara, said that in the East Indian community, people can be closed-minded and look down on an East Indian girl or woman who models and wears revealing clothing. And by revealing clothing, I'm talking like a tank top. It's sleeveless. It might have a V-neck. This is considered too revealing. But Maple was independent and strong-willed. If she had her sights set on something, she went for it. And she started booking job after job. She wasn't very tall. I read that she was maybe five and a half feet. So she wasn't a runway model, but she was getting a lot of print work featured in catalogs. She did trade shows where she'd be like a brand ambassador and represent that company at the trade show. So she was working. She was a professional model. That's amazing. I mean, that is not an easy industry to break into at all. No, it is not. But she was absolutely gorgeous and determined, yes. So that led to acting work. She had a featured bit role in an episode of the TV show The Secret Circle and also landed the role of Melissa in the film Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules. It was a small role, but a bigger part than the one she had in the TV show. Plus, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies were huge. They're really popular. I mean, I've never seen them. I think they're kids' movies, right? Yeah, I think like... Um, young adult. Young, young adult, okay. yeah, or middle grade or whatever. So she was moving up. In addition to her modeling and acting work, she was also working at Staples to make some extra money. This girl was a worker. <gasps> I love Staples. That sounds like fun. <laughs> My thought of Staples and employees is just when Dwight from The Office quits Dunder Mifflin and goes to work at Staples. Oh, you don't watch The Office. Okay. I don't watch The Office, but that sounds like fun and funny. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. While it seemed her career dreams were coming true, the same could not be said of her relationship. Family and friends began noticing that the more time Maple spent with Gary, the less she seemed like herself, which is big warning no, sign. That's not good. God. She was becoming quiet and withdrawn, which was so unlike her. This is a girl who loved to perform and loved the spotlight. Her sister Rosaline said that she and Maple would have plans to go out, and then Maple would call and tell her, Oh, sorry, I can't go. And she'd make up some excuse. No. That's when you know that someone else is, like, starting to take control. Yep. Her friend said she would make plans with them and then cancel at the last minute, just, like, saying, oh, I have to, you know, do something for my family today or whatever. It was very out of character for her. She was not someone who would just cancel on people. Her friend Benicia said they later found out that Gary would find out about Maple's plans and then just straight up tell her she couldn't go. 
So he's absolutely trying to control her. Benicia was actually pretty good friends with Gary. She knew him before he and Maple even started dating. Mm -hmm. And she'd always thought of him as a decent guy. But now she's starting to get a different picture. And it seemed that the better Maple's career was going, the more Gary would say things to try and bring her down. He would tell her she wasn't pretty enough to be on camera, which this girl is absolutely beautiful. So come on. He'd tell her she wasn't pretty enough to be an actress. Just it's that like classic kind of domestic abuse of trying to isolate her from her friends and family, trying to make her feel bad about herself, lower her self-esteem and trying to control her. Nightmare. So Maple would push him away. She tried to distance herself from him, but then Gary would text her. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll do better next time. I didn't mean what I said. And he had a way of getting at her to where she'd say, okay, but don't do that again. Or don't say those things to me. I mean, you know, no, but not victim blaming here, but like the people rarely ever change in situations like that. It doesn't get better. It doesn't. But also she's very young. Of course. Yeah. And imp- I'm sure very impressionable. And, and this is possibly her first relationship. Oh my God. How old is she at this point? They started dating at 14. Oh. Uh, so Whoa. by the time that she got, cause they dated off and on all through high school. So okay. that, um, by the time she got the role in the movie that would have been filmed either 2009 or 2010. So she would have been like 16, 17 around there. Oh, okay. I was imagining she was a little older than that. So no, that, young. oh my God, that's, that's really not good. First off, as a teenage girl, like you're going through so much already. And then to have the person who is supposed to love you and like that you're supposedly in love with tell you all these horrible things about yourself that aren't true, I but can't like, I can even imagine that. And the thing yeah. is like, I'm sure in the business, I mean, you hear, you know, all the kids, especially on like Disney channel or Nickelodeon, you know, coming out mm-hmm. and saying what, how toxic those work environments are and how they really put you down to sort of control you in that sense as well. It's like, that's probably becoming her normal. I don't know how often she was on a set, but even like with modeling and stuff. Yeah. You're constantly being judged and I'm, you know. Exactly. You're being judged. And it's, I mean, kids, oh, I, a kid should not be in the industry. No, 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 no. I bought um, Jeanette McCurdy's book. Um, I'm glad my mom died. Yeah, I haven't started it yet, but I've got it. Same. I need to, let's read it together and talk about it. (gasps) Ooh, book club. Book club. Okay, great. So Maple and Gary were very off and on throughout high school. It was a pattern. She'd push him away. He'd convince her to take him back. Then Baldish, Maple's cousin, discovers Gary over there is cheating on Maple with no. a girl from her class, from Baldish's class. So Baldish's like, oh, hell no. Yeah. And she tells Maple about it. Mm-hmm. And Maple said, thank you for telling me, but I already know. Mm. Once again, Gary was able to smooth talk his way out of it and convince Maple that he was so sorry and it wouldn't happen again. Gary, you asshole. He's a fuckface. Then the time came for their high school graduation, and there was a big graduation trip to Cuba. And in Cuba, there was an event that Maple and Gary and all their friends were going to. It was an evening event, and Maple and Gary showed up wearing sunglasses. And Maple's friends were like, it's nighttime. Like, why are they wearing sunglasses? They're trying to look cool or whatever. (laughs) Her friends were also upset because for the majority of the trip, Maple just stayed in her hotel room. She missed a ton of events. But rather than ask her, is everything okay? Or, hey, what's up with the sunglasses? Her friends were more annoyed that she was absent from so many activities. Like you graduate, you want to party and celebrate with your friends, and then right. one of them won't come out of their room. That would be upsetting. Yes, terrible. Was she hi- using the sunglasses to hide something? She was. Mm. It wasn't until months later that Maple confided in her friend Benicia what really happened. A male coworker of Maple's had texted her, a coworker from Staples, had texted her something about work. Gary saw it and saw that it was from a male, and he gave her a black eye. God. A male coworker texted her, so he decided to punch her in the face. 
she can't receive a text from a male, but yet he cheated on her. Mm -mm. So she was obviously wearing the sunglasses to hide the bruising. And I think he knew it would be suspicious if just she was wearing sunglasses. So he wore them too to make it look like a like a like choice a as a couple. Yeah. Like, this is our look tonight or whatever. Yuck. Ugh. Maple never told her parents what happened. She wore the sunglasses all the time. And her dad asked why. And she said, oh, I, I tripped. I got hurt or whatever. She just mm -hmm. lied about it. Mm -hmm. And her mom said it was because Maple felt that she could handle things on her own. She didn't want to worry her family or get them involved. Because remember, the two families are very close. The moms are best friends. All the more reason to, like, get them involved. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, again, not to victim blame, but, like, I feel like, I don't know. Do you think that would have kind of broken them apart or brought them together to, like, stop it? It's hard to say. And, like, it's easy for us to sit back and go, oh, this is what she should do. And this is no, how, you know, to get out of that. Of course. But when you're in it and you're a teenage girl and you don't have anything to compare it to. It's your normal. Yeah, it's your normal. I'm going to try to work through this. I don't need to get, I don't, I don't want to worry anybody, you know, all that. I just like practically ate my microphone and knocked it over. Oh, no. So hopefully that wasn't loud. <laughs> no, it was fine. Okay. Her friend Benicia said, you need to change your number. I'll go with you. Let's get you a new number. And Maple replied, no, I can't do that because if I do, that might trigger him to do something to me or my family. Mm -hmm. So she was worried. Yeah. And she kept quiet about the assault and therefore Gary was never charged for it. The inner turmoil this girl must have been going through to feel like she couldn't seek help. Like, yeah. I feel like that's the case in a lot of these situations where yeah. the victim either feels they should be able to handle things on their own or they, they're scared of what might happen if they tell someone. And like I was saying, I think especially when you're young, you don't necessarily know what options you have. Right. Plus, if it's your first relationship, this is your first boyfriend, you have nothing to compare it to. So I think it's easy in that situation to think, oh, this is how relationships are, which is terrifying. That is really terrifying. Yikes. Somehow, Gary managed to weasel his way back into her life, pulling out all his usual tricks. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for that to happen. And at this point, I think Maple was probably pretty wary of the relationship, but they did stay together. After graduating, Maple attended Simon Fraser University in Surrey, Canada. She was studying health sciences, working on that doctor career. Gary did not go to that school. I couldn't find if he went to college at all, as a matter mm. of fact. Uh, but once Maple went to college, they didn't live that close to each other anymore. I'm not sure the distance between them, but it seemed like Maple was moving on and moving up, even though she and Gary were still technically together. Oh, that's great. Okay, that's really nice. She's moving on with her life. Good. In late summer of 2011, however, everything changed. No. Maple found out Gary was cheating on her yet again. Fucking and this Gary. time she was done. She'd yeah. had enough. So after close to five years together, she ended things for good. She told him, you talk to me like this, you do this to me, we're done. And Gary replied... You're acting like my enemy. You don't want to be my enemy. Shut up, Gary. That's awful. But Maple was ready to put Gary behind her. She was focusing on her studies, and she had just been accepted as a finalist in the Central City Model Surge, this modeling contest she had entered. That's awesome. Yay, yeah. Maple. Unfortunately, Gary wasn't quite ready to put Maple behind him. He started calling and texting her incessantly. She did her best to ignore him. But he would call her sometimes hundreds of times a day. Psycho. Psycho behavior. She would just turn her phone over, like not yeah. even look at it. Because he, he texts her nonstop as well. My God, just block his number. Over the course of 40 days, he sent her 1,719 text messages and called her 2,328 times. 
That's bananas. That's obsessive. I mean, you just have to be sitting there oh, doing yeah. it over and over and over again. That's the thing. Like the amount of time that takes to call someone and text someone that much, sir, you need to find a hobby. Right. Like, what You're not doing anything else with your day then. And right. she wouldn't I mean, even be able to use her phone because he'd be calling the whole time. constantly blowing it up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do we know the content of the texts and, and like calls or voicemails he left? No, no. No. One night, Maple went out with a group of friends to a club. They have a fun night out, totally innocent. She's 19, just going out to have a good time, like you do. At the end of the night, she and her friends were walking out of the club, and here comes Gary walking toward them. No. How the fuck... Did he know where she yeah, was? How, oh, that's terrifying. He's following her. Um, Maple's friend said he would just drive around the neighborhood looking for her car. That's so scary. That's terrifying. So he's all feeling some type of way, confronts the group, and then spits on one of her friends. This guy is unhinged. Yikes. Then early in the morning of September 24th, 2011... Maple and a male friend of hers went to Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is a popular coffee shop chain in Canada. I love Tim Hortons. Oh, have you been? I've never been to a Tim Hortons. Yeah. There was one back in the town that I'm from in Parkersburg. Really? I didn't think they had them here in the States. They do. I mean, I I don't think they're very like common, but Mm -hmm. they do exist, you know, in pockets. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's just like a donut coffee shop. There, it's, yeah. yeah. Always enjoyed it. So there was one by their campus, and Maple and her friend go there. It's around 4 o'clock on a Saturday morning when they went. Remember in college when it was normal to go grab a bite at 4 in the morning? I do. Oh, my <laughs> God. I miss that. I don't remember doing much sleeping in college because I feel like I was always at a coffee shop or Hardee's or the 24-hour Walmart. <laughs> like Those oh were the God. things you could yeah. do. Same. I was either at Walmart or at the cafe, which was open like 24 hours and you could just yeah. get chicken tenders. Oh, um, chicken tenders. Or I was with friends like walking around campus or because Berea was like in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I, we would like walk <laughs> the trails in the woods or like go out there and play with a Ouija board. And Oh my God. I love that. So much fun. That sounds so fun. So... There were quite a few customers in the Tim Hortons at that time because, again, it's mostly college students and they're up at 4 a.m. They're awake. Maple and her friend place their order at the counter and then grab a corner booth by the door. And Gary is blowing her phone up with texts. It is 4 in the morning, Gary. She's ignoring it, though. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, Gary comes walking in the door of Tim Hortons. He'd been driving around the neighborhood looking for her car. And saw it parked outside. And he was like, oh, she's in there. I think I'll go in and be an asshole. So he walks in and immediately confronts Maple and her friend. Then punches her friend in the face. No. So she's like, whoa. She gets up, starts pushing him towards the door. They go outside and she gets in his car to talk to him and try to calm him down. Which she shouldn't have to do. No, not at all. I mean, why didn't... No, Go ahead. I know exactly what you're going to say. Here, okay, so this is my next thing. Okay. So the entire incident inside the restaurant was caught on security footage. And there Good. is a female employee at the counter, which is feet from the booth Maple and her friend were at. Mm-hmm. And the employee does not do anything to intervene. No. She doesn't kick Gary out of the shop. She doesn't call the cops, at least not that I could find. And... I'm not saying the employee is at fault. I, I think she was working by herself and maybe was scared to get involved. I'm sure that's a scary situation, you know? And if you see somebody who's acting like that come in and you call the police and get them in trouble, I can see how, you know, you'd be afraid for your own safety. Right. And Maple got him out of the shop pretty quickly. So maybe the employee thought, okay, it's oh, resolved. it's taken care of. Yeah, but someone still got punched in the face. Exactly. And it's like, can we get better security for places that are open at 4 a.m.? Yes, 100%. So Maple and Gary are sitting in his Nissan Pathfinder, and she's like, that guy is just my friend. I'm not dating him. Also, you and I are not together. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't say this to him, but even if she wanted to date that guy, she could. She's a single woman. Right. None of his business. But Gary wasn't satisfied. He said, 
get out your cell phone. No. And insisted she unlock her phone and show him all of her texts and phone calls. No. Then he just stole her phone. He refused to give it back. Well, good, because then he can't reach her. Gary over there, he finds his ways. Sure. So after that, Maple realized, it is not enough that I broke up with this guy. Like, I'm going to have to take more drastic measures to keep him out of my life. So that evening, around 11 p.m., so this is the same evening of the Tim Hortons incident, just Mm. many hours later. Mabel went to the police and reported the incident that occurred. Good. She also mentioned to the officer that she was pretty sure Gary was following her. In addition to him showing up unannounced at the most random places and times, Mabel told the officer about a time she was on a walk with her mom. Maple had a dog named Bubbles, who's <gasps> so Stop freaking it. cute. Stop. That's that's a show in itself, Maple and Bubbles. Maple and Bubbles. Oh, doesn't that just sound so cute? And she and her mom would used to walk him together. There was this park that they would always go to. And Maple tells the officer that while they were walking, she swore she saw Gary's car. And she said to her mom, like, what the heck? Why is he driving around in our neighborhood? And the officer asked, he doesn't live near you? And Maple said, he doesn't live near me. So the police issued a no-contact order against Gary. Thank God. Yes. And at this point, Maple has let her family in on what's been going on. Oh, good. Yeah. She told her sister about the Tim Hortons incident. Mm -hmm. So when she got the no-contact order, her sister Rosaline said, you know, I felt better then. That's that's great. Like, yeah. According to that order, Gary wasn't supposed to come near Maple where she worked or lived or went to school. Like he, no contact, like he had to stay away. Is this like the Canadian version of a restraining order? Yeah, I think so. So this made her family feel a little more at ease. Like she had, she had some protection from this guy finally. I wonder what his family was feeling because they were friends. They were friends, but it does not seem like any of them were aware of his behavior. Okay. I don't think Maple's family knew the extent of what was happening. Okay. And didn't go to that family. Didn't feel it necessary. To to my knowledge, yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Unfortunately, their sense of security would be short-lived. The following Tuesday, September 27th, Maple went to the Simon Fraser Library to study with friends. She got there around 7 p.m. that night. There are security cameras all over this place. So Maple can be seen walking into the library, sitting at the table with her friends, and the camera pan- blah blah blah, and the camera pans around on a timer and will sometimes zoom in randomly. And it just happened to zoom in on Maple. And she is smiling, laughing. She's got her backpack. She takes out her laptop. She's showing something to her friend on the computer. She just seems happy. It seemed like she was finally getting back to herself. Her friend Benicia said, I'm not quite sure how she was always so positive. That's definitely Maple's secret sauce there. Maple syrup. Secret sauce. Sorry. I've been waiting to say that since we started this episode. Oh, good. I'm glad glad you were able to get it in. (laughs) So Maple's chatting with a female friend. She's on her cell phone. I think she must have gotten a new one after Gary stole hers. It's just a regular Tuesday night on campus at the library. At one point, a friend of hers leaves, and she's joined by another group of friends. And they hung out at the library until around 1 a.m. There were four of them all together, Maple included, and they all left at the same time. So they are out in the parking lot saying goodbye. She turns and gives one of her friends a hug. This happened to be the same friend that was with her in the Tim Hortons. And they part ways. Maple walks one way toward her car. The other three head in the opposite direction. Maple's car was only about 30 feet away. And just as she reached it, a white Dodge Charger pulled up next to her. And the driver fired five shots at Maple. No. Three of which hit her in the arm and torso, causing her to collapse to the ground. Then the driver grabbed a knife from the car, got out, and this is really awful, slashed the top and back of Maple's head, not once, not twice, but 11 times. (sighs) Then they just drove away. That's disgusting. Um, slashed as in like stabbed, not stabbed, slashed. According to investigators, 
the slashes were not enough to be fatal. Mm-hmm. It was more like kind of slice her Cause up. Her pain, yeah. right. Calls started pouring into 911 with people saying they'd heard gunshots and many witnesses saw a brand new 2011 white charger speeding away. But unfortunately, despite the parking lot being in a very public place, the building surrounding it was all windows. No one saw the actual crime. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there was a security camera that pointed right at where it happened, but it was on that timer and just happened to pan away right when the attack occurred. When emergency crews arrived, Maple's friends who had just been with her were able to give them her name. They didn't see the attack, but they'd heard it. Mm-hmm. And then an ambulance took her to the hospital. She was still alive. Oh my God. Ouch. I cannot even imagine being alive through such a brutal attack. I mean, I hope she was unconscious. I hope she didn't have to feel all that. I hope so too. It's also that thing I wonder about when, when you're kind of put through that much pain and trauma, if your body, you know, shuts it out. Right. Like your mind shuts it out. Like if it cut, you know, cuts it off. So you're, I mean, obviously you're feeling it, but maybe you're not feeling it to the extent that, you know, your body can handle. I don't know. I, I hope she was unconscious. That's so hard. That's And I'm sure it was so fast and terrifying. Mm-hmm. Maple's family was informed that she'd been injured, but they weren't given any details as to how severe her injuries were or even what hospital she was taken to. Come on. So Sarbjeet, Maple's mom, gets this call in the middle of the night that her youngest child has been hurt and taken to the hospital. The fear and anxiety she must have gone through in that moment. So she wakes up Rosaline. She's like banging on Rosaline's door. Rosaline then starts calling every hospital in the area to try and figure out where her sister was. Mm -hmm. But no one could tell them anything. Immediately, friends and family pointed the finger at Gary. And Rosaline actually called him. And he answered. And she said, why did you hurt Maple? And he said, What are you talking about? I would never hurt Maple. I love Maple. But Rosaline didn't believe him. And she asked, what are you doing right now? And he told her, I am at home playing video games. This didn't sit right with her. Likely story, Gary. Finally, they heard back which hospital it was, and the family headed there right away, along with Maple's best friend and her mom. They were not aware of the brutality of the attack. All they knew was that she'd been hurt. But they're under the assumption She's going to be okay. Like, she's injured, but she'll be fine. So they're all sitting in a waiting room, and the doctor comes in and says, we couldn't save her. She's gone. No. They were shocked and devastated. Of course they were. It just seemed surreal to think the doctor is going to say something like, oh, well, she needs surgery. She has some broken bones. Right. And they're like, oh, she passed. She's gone. So it was really difficult for them to process. When police first received the phone call, they were told the suspect had been identified and investigators were actively seeking to arrest this person. Mm -hmm. So police were like, great, this will be an open and shut case. Oh, how wrong they were. Really? Since there were no eyewitnesses to the actual murder, people heard the gunshots, people saw the white charger, but no one could see who was driving. So cops are hoping to find DNA evidence from the killer, and they felt like they'd gotten a lucky break when they discovered the killer had left the knife on the ground. It was lying between Maple's car and the car parked next to hers. Mm -hmm. However, they couldn't get any of the suspect's DNA from the knife because there was so much blood on it. One investigator said, quote, it overpowered any DNA that the offender may have had on there. Really? That's crazy. I would not have guessed that, you know? Yeah. I, I, would always, I was under the impression that, you know, regardless of how saturated it might have been, there should still be some kind of DNA. They found nothing. Nothing. There Shit. were 50 officers assigned to Maple's case. Canada is not fucking around. They're like, we're going to solve this shit. Another reason that Canada is... Superior? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hesitated because I was like, I don't know. But yes. (laughs) But all they really had to go on at this point is the car. They learned that the majority of 2011 Dodge Chargers were rental vehicles. 
So investigators start going through all the car rental records. Oh, shit. Yeah, because my first thought was like, okay, you know, pull out the records and see who purchased, you know, because you said it was a new Mm -hmm. charger. Yeah. So see, like, who bought a new charger recently in the area. So it was a rental. And there was a rental under the name Gersimer Betty. One of the investigators recognized that name. Mm. Gersimer Betty, who also goes by Gary, but for the sake of not confusing the two Garys in the story, I'm going to refer to him as Gersimer. Sure. He was facing trafficking charges from four months prior to Maple's murder. The article I read just said trafficking. I'm assuming drug trafficking and not human trafficking because I don't think he'd just be like roaming the streets if that was the case. <laughs> I mean, my mind immediately went to like sex trafficking. Okay. I think it was drug trafficking. Okay, he's... for the sake of that, I mean, yeah. I feel like if you had, you know, sex trafficking, you would not be out, you know, renting chargers. I would hope that you would be locked up. So when the investigator saw his name, a little bell dinged in his ear and he went, let's look further into this. Meanwhile, less than a week after Maple's murder on October 3rd, Gary turned himself into police on a warrant for the assault at Tim Horton's. He was released that same day, and the charges were eventually dropped. What? Yeah, I'm not sure why, but the charges were dropped. That's suspicious. I don't like that. I don't know if, like, the friend that was punched, if he was like, I want to put this behind me, or... Maybe he was like, you know, fuck it, I don't want to, you know, press charges or anything. Right, I I don't know. I couldn't find anything Mm. about it. On October 5th, just two days after he turned himself in and was released, Gary phoned in threats to his former high school. Police were called and the school went into lockdown mode. They didn't have a hard time figuring out who it was because he identified himself in the call. Officers wouldn't go into detail about what the threats were. They just said it was a phone call to administration and it did not involve explosives or firearms. The police would never confirm that it was Gary, but many sources said, yeah, that was Gary. And he identified himself in the phone call. So there's that. I mean, why? That's such a bananas thing to do. Yeah, and we don't know what the threat was. Yeah, that just seems he's lost it. He's unraveled. Mm. So the police arrested Gary, but he was released without charges that same day. Why? I don't know. I don't know the Canadian justice system. I don't, you know, we don't have like all the details. That's true. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I even found that article, because I only saw that about him calling and threatening the school in one source. I've said Canada was superior, but there are issues with every justice system in the world, I'm sure. But um, have you seen a documentary called Dear Zachary? No. What is that about? Okay. It's the story of the murder of a guy who was having a relationship with a woman who I believe was from Canada or Canadian. And um, he ends up getting murdered and there's a a child involved. I don't want to spoil it, but you should watch it. It's a really good documentary, but you will be sobbing at the end of it. Oh, shit. And it's the Canadian justice system really, really, you know, dropped the ball. Oh, no. But yeah, check out that documentary. Okay. So that was just like a weird thing with Gary that he had these police run-ins right after Maple had been murdered. So back to Maple's case, that investigator finds Gersimer's name on the car rental and is like, there might be something here. As it turned out, Gersimer Betty was friends with Gary Dollywall. There you go. I read one report that said these two guys were best friends, but then in an interview, one of the investigators said he didn't think they were very close at all, more like acquaintances. Hmm. The car rental place had security cameras, and when Gersimer Betty walked in on Sunday, September 25th, to rent a car, guess who was with him? Gary. 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 So this was the day after the Tim Hortons incident. Gary had texted Gersimer Sunday and said, hey, I need your help with something. The minimum age to rent a car in Canada is 21. Gary was 19. Gersimer was 21. So Gersimer's like, sure, I'll rent a car for you. 
Who just does that? Like, if someone asked that of me, I'd have some questions. I mean, also, it makes me think that they were closer than just acquaintances. I don't they know if, They had to have been. I don't know if someone that I just met or that I don't talk to that often was like, hey, can you rent me a car? I would be like, no. Yeah, because I feel like that's a pretty big ask. I know. And if something goes... Well, again, though, I mean, these are 19, 21-year-olds. I'm sure they're not really thinking about consequences. Yeah, the frontal lobe is not fully developed they're just like living their lives so cops are feeling good about the info they have regarding this car and its connection to gary they call avis where the car was rented from and ask if the car has been returned it had and was in the back about to be cleaned and cops were like no stop don't clean it. it we're on our way had they made that call even a few minutes later any evidence in the car likely would have been washed away. Oh, my God. So cops get to Avis and inspect the car. Mm-hmm. They found Maple's blood on the driver's side and gunshot residue on the steering wheel. So this told them whoever was driving this car was the killer. Was the murderer. Mm-hmm. But they still didn't know who was driving the car. As they looked closer... They found a bullet casing that had apparently hit the windshield and slid down under the hood of the car and gotten lodged there. This bullet casing matched the others that had been found at the crime scene. Mm -hmm. So they know this was, in fact, the car. Mm -hmm. They know it was rented by Gersmer, but they did not find DNA evidence to link Gary to the driver's seat. There was plenty of Maple's DNA, but so far everything is circumstantial. However, they felt they had enough to take to the Crown Council and get an arrest. The Crown Council is like what in the U.S. we'd call the prosecutor, Mm -hmm. but the British government is like a lot classier than we are. However, Wendy Stephen, the Crown Council, said it's not enough. Side note, Wendy Stephen is a badass bitch. I've watched interviews of her online. She knows her shit. Okay, good. So she's telling them, she's like, guys, you're going to have to find more because it's not going to cover it. Cops had actually taken their their case to the Crown a couple of times, but each time we're told you don't have enough evidence yet. So the police were like, well, damn it. So they decided to turn their focus to smaller clues and bits of evidence. The entire case was going to be circumstantial because they had no DNA evidence from the killer and no eyewitnesses. What they did know was that the driver of the car was the killer. On that Sunday, the same day Gersimer had rented the car, Gary made arrangements to purchase a gun. He'd gone to a bank to withdraw money and used his pin. According to investigators, Gary went out later that evening and test-fired the gun. I don't know how they were able to determine that. The investigator didn't elaborate in the interview that I watched about it. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe they had some info that they weren't revealing. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Unfortunately, the gun was never found, so they don't have that as evidence. Which brings us back to the other weapon, the knife. Although they didn't have Gary's DNA evidence on it, they did have proof he'd purchased it. The knife had been purchased at a mall of all places. On Monday, September 26, security footage shows Gary entering the mall, and several eyewitnesses reported seeing him there. And again... He used his card, which was pin activated. So there's record of that purchase with his card. I mean, is all of this finally enough? We'll get there. I mean, all of everything is pointing in that direction. Literally everything. He got the gun. He bought the knife. He went to the car. But they still don't have any evidence saying that Gary was ever in that driver's seat. They have to get that. uh, This is just frustrating. They're slowly building their case. They're mm-hmm. they're putting little pieces together. So, like I said, cops still had no proof. Gary was even in the Dodge Charger the night Maple was killed, let alone driving it. That is, until an employee working the drive-thru at McDonald's on Tuesday, September 27th, went to police. The employee knew Gary and said he saw Gary that evening, just a few minutes after 6 p.m., driving a white charger through the drive-thru. That was about an hour before Maple arrived at the library and just a few hours before her death. Boom. The cops have him in the driver's seat. Thank God. 
This was still circumstantial, though, because on the McDonald's security footage, the window blocks the driver's face. Of course it does. And when you watch it, you want to scream, move up six inches. It's like, oh, if you would just pull up a couple of inches. Cameras everywhere. Cameras in your face constantly. Let's let's make these changes. <laughs> but that's the thing. Cameras were everywhere and it still didn't catch them. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Isn't that wild? <laughs> Well, good for that McDonald's employee. Yes. We should all celebrate by going and getting some fries. Some chicken McNuggets. Chicken nuggies. So when Palurse... Palurse? Palurse. I made that up. It's how they say it in Canada. When police searched cell phone records, they found that both Gary and Gersimer's cell phones were next to each other in the vicinity of Simon Fraser University the night of Maple's murder. They were there. Security footage showed the white charger pull up and drop off Gersimer, who then went into the library, while the car just circled and waited. You can see on the footage Gersimer walking around, talking on his phone. He was talking to Gary, telling him where Maple was, what she was doing, who she was with. He walks around for 45 minutes before coming out and getting back in the car. Accomplice. And the car just circles. Wendy Steven, who I mentioned earlier, said mm-hmm. it looked like a shark circling and they nicknamed it the Great White Shark. Ew. And it's so creepy when you see it on the footage. You just see that car going around and, and around, around. around. And you see Gersimer like on his phone walking around the library. Yuck. What's really creepy is that Gary and Gersimer had been to the campus the night before as well. On Monday night, they did the same routine. Gary drove around while Gersimer went inside looking for Maple, but she wasn't there that night. So they went back the following night. Once Gersimer located Maple and got back in the car, they stayed there for about another four and a half hours before Maple and her friends exited the building. That's four and a half hours to think about what you're about to do. Four and a half hours where Gersimer could have been like, dude, let's leave. But instead they stayed. And when Maple left the library and walked toward her car, it was Gary who was in the driver's seat, Gersimer was in the passenger seat, and Gary shot Maple and slashed her head. By the time police had pieced all of this together, Gary at the drive-thru, the cell phone records, the security footage with Gersimer, plus the evidence found in the car on the driver's side, it had been more than a year since Maple's murder. Oh my God. It took 14 months for police to form a case that the Crown Council considered strong enough to present to a jury. It was a completely circumstantial case, but it was pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Finally. Gary Dollywall and Gersimer Betty were arrested near the end of 2012 for the murder of Maple Battaglia. There's footage of Gary being interviewed by police, and they show him a photo of Maple in a body bag. And he kind of angrily brushes it off the table. And the officer says, this is what happens, Gary. This is real. And Gary says, take me back to my cell. And the officer is just like, not going to happen, Gary. Mm -hmm. So then Gary puts his head down on the table and covers his ears. This little fuck face couldn't stand to hear what it was that he had done. So the officer picks up the photo from the floor and shows it to Gary again and says, that's the reality, Gary. And Gary takes the photo and rips it in half and throws it on the floor and then says, I don't give a shit. This guy is such a fucking loser. I hate him. Monster. They brought Rosaline, Maple's sister, Mm -hmm. in to talk to him face to face. Why? I don't know how she did that. I don't I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could do that. I think I would immediately walk in and lose my shit. Yeah, I couldn't do it. She is so calm and collected, Ugh. though. And basically, they're trying to get him to confess. So first they start with Rosaline. And she's asking him why he did this. She's like, just tell us so me and my family can move on. She said, if there's any part of you that loved my sister, tell me you're sorry. He doesn't say anything to her. He just keeps his head down. So Rosaline leaves and they put Maple's mom on the phone and she speaks to him in Punjabi and she says, Gary, my child, I love you now. I loved you before. The strength of this woman 
she begs him to tell her what happened the night Maple was killed. She says, please mm-hmm. tell me so we can have some kind of relief. We just want to know. Mm-hmm. She says, Gary, I know you love me very much. I still love you. And she asks him, how are you doing? Like, I, I don't know how this family, I just don't know how they did this. He's just silent. And she says, child, say something. And he says, yes, how are you, auntie? And she answers, how can we be? I just want to know the truth. What happened? What did you do? She says, I have nothing else to ask of you. Mm-hmm. Then the officer intervenes and tells Gary to say he's sorry. And Gary says, auntie, I'm really sorry. And she says, I forgive you. You're my child. I forgive you. She had been so close to him and his family and vice versa. So it's almost like losing two kids. She was trying to get him to confess on that phone call, which he didn't technically do. Mm -hmm. And while on the call, she said she forgave him. I will tell you. She does not. And that that definitely changes. Oh, good. Because I was like, yeah, forgiveness is one thing, but like you don't have to forgive people. Right. Even though arrests had been made, it took another three and a half years before the case ever went to trial. Stop it. So close to five years since Maple was murdered. Mm hmm. That's years her family and friends have to wait to see if there's going to be any justice. Right. The defense used a lot of delay tactics. He'd change lawyers, so that adds time because the new attorneys have to get up to speed on the case. Court sessions kept getting rescheduled. It was a long, drawn-out process. Gersimer's trial was also delayed for those same reasons. I'll get to him in a minute. The case finally goes to trial in 2016. Gary was charged with first-degree murder. He pleaded guilty to second degree. The theory was presented in court that Gary was just going to confront Maple and her male friend. But when he saw her hug him, this sent him into a rage and it was a crime of passion. I disagree with this. I think it was entirely premeditated. Oh my God. What the fuck? Like they were there the day before. They were there for four hours prior circling around. It's Mm -hmm. not passion. It's just being a fucking monster. He had a friend rent a car. He bought a gun. He bought a knife. He stalked her. He was lying in wait for hours. And when she came out to the parking lot, he viciously and brutally attacked her. It was overkill. Multiple Mm -hmm. gunshots and 11 slashes to the head. If that's not premeditation, I don't know what what is. Yeah. Also, the fact that this family had to wait years for the case to go to trial just for him to plead guilty to second degree. It's like, okay, you could have done that years ago. Yeah, that's an issue. The victim impact statements from Maple's family were gut-wrenching. Her mom said, quote, I wish someone had killed me instead of her. It would have been so much better than this. I can't imagine. She also wrote a poem that she read. She wrote it in Punjabi and it was translated. I'm just going to read the first few lines here. I wanted to see my daughter off in a bridal carriage. Instead, evil sent her off in a funeral procession. I dreamed of seeing her through to marriage, but evil carried out its cruel obsession. My daughter was so full of love. She was so smart and polite. We raised her with gentle gloves. Too soon we said goodnight. I saw it on Facebook, and I'll, I might try to post the the photo of the poem. Mm. Gary did receive life in prison, but he has the possibility of parole in 21 years, minus the time served waiting to go to trial, which would make him eligible for parole in about 10 years, if my math is correct. Too soon. Gersimer was charged with manslaughter and accessory after the fact. This is a guy who rented a car for Gary, stalked Maple, told Gary what she was up to, who she was with. He was in the car with Gary when he attacked Maple. He stayed in the car when Gary got out and used the knife. He stayed in the car and drove away with Gary after the attack. And for several days after the murder, he texted Gary updates on the police investigation. He was found not guilty of manslaughter. I don't agree with that. He was found guilty of being an accessory after the fact. He was sentenced to 22 months in jail. No, that's no. 
That's exactly. too little. That's not enough. That included the four months he had already served, but he was released six months early after serving two-thirds of his sentence, which is standard practice in British Columbia. The Battaglia family was outraged. They should be. Rosaline said, quote, he did not even know her, had nothing to do with her, and he was the last voice of reason that could have prevented this cold-blooded murder from happening. She said that when he was sentenced, Gersimer smirked at her family. Like, oh, I got off easy. Fucking pig. Yeah, he's he's also a fuckface. After his release, Gersimer said he just wants to move on with his life. Oh, no, you shouldn't get to. Maple would have liked to as well. Maple would have liked to move on with her life. The entire Battaglia family would like to be able to move on with their lives. Maple's friends would like to be able to move on with their lives. But you helped rob them of that. Maple's parents said they can never forgive Gary for what he did. Her mom said something that really hit me in a way. She said, we are alive, but we have no life. And I was just like, oh. That's tough. Maple had been the one to record the outgoing message on their answering machine. And mm-hmm. so they kept it. And sometimes her family will just call that number just to hear her voice. Just to hear her voice. Her family set up scholarships in Maple's name. Oh, good. One to Simon Fraser for a student studying health sciences. And yeah. another one was an art scholarship. And they opened a daycare in India in Maple's name. Oh. So they're, they're just like the most amazing, strongest yeah. family. And just like trying to make something good come out, out of, of something, something tragic. So horrible. In the park where she used to go on walks with her family, there's a bench in Maple's name. Mm-hmm. And right next to that, a maple tree was planted in her memory. Oh, maple tree. Maple's friends, along with the police, worked together going from school to school to speak to students about intimate partner violence, signs to look out for, and where to go for help. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. We need that in schools here. Right? And I'm just going to end this with something a friend of hers posted on Facebook. She said, your mom is so lost without you. She was telling me how you took care of everything, never wanted to disturb her for rides, cleaned the house every every Friday after a full week of being busy with studying, modeling, rehearsals, and work. I told your mom that I would never be able to accomplish as much as you did in my lifetime. You set the bar, and now all we can do is make you proud. Be positive like you were, be humble like you were, be loving like you were, be hardworking like you were, be strong like you were, and spread the love like you did. And that is the case of Maple Battaglia. Oh, wow. It's so horrific and scary because I feel like it's not uncommon. I feel like these intimate partner violence situations are not talked about very often, especially among younger people. And yeah, we need programs that teach kids what to look out for and like what's okay, what's not okay and Mm -hmm. where to go for help and like how her friends could maybe look for signs. I know a lot of her family and friends felt guilt after the fact. And like one of her friends said, you know, we never asked her why she was wearing the sunglasses. We were just upset that she wasn't hanging out with us. And it's like those those are the things you think about when it's too late. And so this program that her friends and the cops have started is to say, you know, here are some signs like when a person's becoming withdrawn and that's not who they are. And, you know, that's something to look out for. And they're canceling plans the last minute. Mm -hmm. Like there were so many red flags along the way. But again, like when you're young, your brain doesn't automatically go to, no. oh, she's dating a, a future murderer. Like no, you don't think I'm that. sure you haven't encountered that before at that age. Yeah. And, and the thing was, Gary did not have a criminal record. Sure. And like all of a sudden he just goes to murder. It's zero to a hundred. Like it's really like, fast. That's you just terrifying. don't see that coming. I'm really curious and interested about the relationship between Gary and what's the other guy's name? Gersimer, yeah. I tried to find how they met, like maybe if they worked together or anything, I couldn't find it. Yeah, because it sounds like, I mean, there had to be some level of control that Gary was exerting over Gersimer. He had to be manipulating. I'm not um, saying that to excuse Gersimer's behavior Mm -hmm. or what he did. You're right. You know, I feel like there had to be some level of manipulation and control 
on Gary's part because he'd been doing that to Maple for so long as well. There's something about that type of person, I feel like. I don't know because there's just not that info out there. I don't either. I mean, it's all, you know, a speculation, but that's bananas. Gersimer is a danger. And he's just walking around. And he's just freed. Yeah. Great. Terrifying. I was trying to think, is there like a way I can end this on a positive note? Um, Just go out and be kind today. Go out and give someone a smile. Uh, Maple always smiled. She was always positive. So just try to be that light for someone today. And if you uh, have any thoughts about this case or anything you want to add to it, I, I tried to find links to the scholarships one was a dead link it it just that website was no longer there and the other one it's part of like numerous scholarships you have to like kind of scroll and find hers and you can't get a link just to hers so I'm working on that I'll try to post that if I can um but let us know your thoughts in the comments you can find us at Oh, on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. (laughs) Sorry, forgot what I was supposed to say there. No, at Horrorwood Podcast. Or email us at? Horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're feeling so inclined and you want those bonus episodes that we do, uh, you can jump on over to Patreon, and that's at? Patreon.com slash Horrorwood Podcast. That's it for today. Don't do murder, everybody. And if you know someone who is suddenly not acting like themselves, maybe just like see how they're doing. Yeah, say something. Don't be yeah. afraid to say something. And don't punch people at Tim Hortons. Do not. People just want to have their donuts and coffee, you guys. Right. Don't be let's asses. Just leave, let's just leave people in peace. Yes.